My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here, and part of our hope for the service today is that you feel a little bit of peace. I was feeling anxiety. The best part of being up in the front is we get to see all the interactions with the kids up here. And um, Witt decided to redesign our peace sign. I don't know if you could see that or not. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if he's going to get that P back up there or not. But he did. So relax. So Advent means coming, and as God's people, this is the prelude to Christmas. We really aren't yet into Christmas, even though the world all around us says Christmas already. We're waiting for that baby to come. And as we wait, we do several things. First, we listen to the voices of the prophets and light these candles to shine a little light in the darkness because these prophets are making these really big promises that if they're true, they will be able to dispel the darkness that's in this world. So we start there, and then we go all the way to the manger where we have this anticipation of like, yeah, Christmas is coming, and that the baby will be in there on Christmas. We're looking forward to celebrating that. And then we go through the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. We think about what that means, and we're looking forward to the day when Jesus comes again. We're waiting for that. And then God's plan is completed. And we get to celebrate these promises in their uh, completed form. That's a, that's a big journey to take. And we're using some words to kind of help guide us through that journey. So we started last week looking at glorious hope. As we're waiting, we're seeing the hope build up within us. This week we're going to think about peace. And then in the next couple of weeks we're going to be thinking about glorious love and joy. That is also part of this journey. But today we're going to look at that peace in a little more depth by listening to Isaiah, he's going to be our primary guide on this whole journey. So if you would open up your Bible and look at Isaiah chapter 11, that'd be awesome. Um, if you brought a Bible, open it up to the middle and then go to the right. You should end up in Isaiah. Grab a Bible out of the chair or open up your phone and, and open up your Bible app. It's so great if you can read along in these passages. Isaiah 11. Okay, before we read this together, I want to offer you a prayer, and my prayer for you today is, the Lord be with you. Isaiah 11.1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, a young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner of peace for the peoples. 
The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. Uh, Mary and I went on a little day trip on Friday, and at one point in the car, I had to share some bad news with her. The bad news is that it was the, it's going to be 2020, and that's an election year. <laughs> and I think if you count the days down, it's only 57 days until the Iowa caucuses. So the reason why I take that as bad news is because I don't care for the political advertisements. And if you think we've had a lot already, you've got 57 more days. I'm sorry to bring bad news to you. But that did get me thinking about um, what I'm looking for in a leader. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. You can think about a political leader or any kind of leader. What qualities of a leader would you most admire? What would you most desire to see in a leader, maybe even a president or somebody who's leading our country? Uh, Turn to your neighbor and just share a couple qualities, qualities you most admire in leaders. Go ahead and talk about that for a second. You don't actually have to name the leader that you're thinking about. Okay. Maybe it's true. You're not supposed to talk about politics, so, okay. I had some ideas as I was thinking about it of, do I really want a leader who's, like, super strong and powerful, or do I want a leader who is compassionate and tender? Do I want a leader who is intellectually very sharp and had it all figured out, or do I want a leader that has some kind of emotional intelligence that care about people? Do I want a leader who has kind of a fresh platform filled with brand new world-changing kind of ideas, or do I want a leader who's experienced and I can count on them continuing their track record? Do I want a leader with personal integrity and character, or do I want a leader that has a lot of political savvy and ability to get things done? Um, Am I looking for a leader who's going to pursue my interests or would I rather see a leader who's willing to look out for the interests of all people and think, take that into consider? A leader who divides or a leader who unites? What kind of leader do you think is best? What kind of leader are you looking for? I'm sure we'd be all over the map if we actually had to discuss it. Uh, I don't want you to um, necessarily get hooked on the political piece of it because I don't want to advocate for any political leader or party or whatever, but I want that to simmer in the back of your mind because as I was le- reading through the lesson from Isaiah today, the one question that it raised for me was, what kind of a leader is Isaiah describing? And he actually tipped his hand a little bit last week when he gave us these words from chapter 2. He said, a leader is coming who will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. So it sounds like he's talking about a leader who unites or brings people together or brings peace, which was a kind of a tip toward this week's sermon, which is all about a leader who can bring peace, which seems like really tricky business, especially in the kind of world we live in, because we, we do live in a world that's fairly divided and fairly violent at times. So what kind of leader would help us? Isaiah 11 digs into these qualities, I think, really well. Listen to this part of the passage again, first, the first couple verses. 
A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From the roots, a branch will bear fruit. He's talking about a king that's going to come out of the line of David, so like one of the great kings of Israel. And this is what that king will be like. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge. He will judge the needy with justice and will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The leader that brings peace has a big job. And he is offering this peace to all people. So as soon as I started to think about it, I think that's so amazing, I'm tempted to believe that it can't happen. You know, we live in a world that's too divided. The rifts run too deep. The differences spread very far, and the violence is very prevalent. Verbal attacks and physical attacks are too common. When I think about glorious peace in this world, I think, I don't know if that can be done. That's my first reaction to Isaiah. Isaiah says, it can come, but it requires a very special leader with very special sets of gifts. And the kind of gifts that are required to bring this, he describes this way. First, the gift of the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The leader that's going to bring glorious peace will lead with discernment so that he can make good decisions even in very difficult situations. He will have wisdom and understanding. Second, He will have the spirit of counsel and power so that the leader who brings peace will not just have good ideas, but he'll actually have the authority to institute those ideas. He'll be able to do the things that he wants to do to make the kingdom peaceful. And third, he will have the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord so that as he institutes his plan for bringing the kingdom, the main source of his rule will come from having an intimate relationship with God. Now, for the Jewish people, this last quality was very important. It might have been even central to their understanding of what it meant for them to have a good leader, to have a good king. A good king would walk closely with the God. In fact, you couldn't be a good leader or a good king if you didn't have this really close, intimate connection with God. The leader who brings glorious peace will be centered so that the most important thing in every, descent, in every decision is, is that what God wants? Now, even with these set of amazing gifts, we might be tempted to think, I don't know if Isaiah's got it yet. I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. We did a little study with a group of this passage a couple weeks ago, and one of the guys at the study says, I don't know if that could happen. Does Isaiah know what he's talking about? Can it be? Well, Isaiah does know something about what he's talking about because he lived in a time that was very tumultuous, very unsettling. It was a time of great violence and division. The northern kingdom, who was their main ally throughout their history, has already been conquered by the Assyrians. They swept in and carried him off into exile. Now the Assyrians are threatening 
this, the southern kingdom, from one direction, and from the other direction, they're being threatened by the Babylonians. So they're at great unrest about whether or not they're going to be conquered. In the meanwhile, this is happening. They've been led by kings that are very ineffective, kings that were very timid, kings that were very wicked, kings that really had no great leadership quality about them. So the people would be looking to the king for help, and they'd be like, there's no one there to help us. This is the environment in which Isaiah is speaking, and Isaiah says, wait, a leader is coming from this dead stump of these former kings, from the line of David, the great king, a king is coming, and he will have the gifts necessary to bring about the peace we desire. This is what Isaiah is offering as hope. This leader will have the gifts to establish a kingdom that will have liberty and justice for all. A kingdom that will not be swayed or corrupted by influences. A leader who will not make decisions about the direction of the, comp- of the country, the kingdom, based on external appearances. He won't make decisions based on what he hears other people saying. He will make decisions that are based completely on righteousness and faithfulness. Because God is at the center. That's the kind of leader that's coming. The kind of leader that will bring peace. And so whether you're wearing filthy rags or lavish robes, He will not judge you inappropriately. Whether or not you're very wealthy and an abuser or very poor and a victim, He will judge rightly So, this kind of leader requires a couple of things. It requires, first of all, defense and care for the poor, looking out for the oppressed, watching over those who have been victimized. It will involve caring for them, and it will involve taking care of the wicked, the abuser, the corrupt. And he'll make these just... judgments with righteousness every time. So what do you think of that kind of leader? Is that the kind of leader you want? It's maybe good news if you're poor. It's maybe not so good news if you're the wicked. According to Isaiah, this is God's agenda for the kingdom. And he's going to bring a leader who will make it happen. And so it's no surprise that when Jesus starts talking about his agenda, what he wants to accomplish... He talks about it in exactly the same way. This is Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 4 when he begins his ministry. He announces his agenda. Luke 4, 16. Jesus went to Nazareth and this was the place where he had been raised. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll and He gave it back to the attendant and He sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on Him. 
And then Jesus said, Today, this has been fulfilled. Jesus says, I'm that leader. I'm the one Isaiah promised that has grown out of this stump and will come to establish a kingdom of righteousness and faithfulness and glorious peace unlike anything we've ever seen. What do you think? Can we embrace a leader like that? Can we embrace a kingdom like that? Now, Isaiah goes on a little bit more to give us some beautiful imagery about what this kingdom looks like. In fact, Isaiah does this all the time. Isaiah actually becomes the prophet that is the most quoted or the most referred to in the entire New Testament. If you want to read through the New Testament, you'll find actually over 400 references back to Isaiah's vision. Of all the visions that he gives, I think this is one of the most amazing visions. He says, this is what the kingdom of glorious peace looked like. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. A young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, just as the waters cover the sea. Is that a beautiful vision of the peaceful kingdom? Now, usually, I'll admit, when I think of peace, I usually think of it as very personal, like I need peace of mind, or I need a peaceful place, or I need a place to recover from being worn out. I need personal peace. But the vision that Isaiah gives is so much bigger than that. He's giving a vision of a kingdom that provides such wisdom and such authority and such power that even nature is changed at its very core. This is the kind of peace that he brings. No more tooth and claw, no more survival of the fittest, no more predator and prey. The kingdom will be filled with such glorious peace that things we believe are impossible can happen. Lion and lamb together, can it be? Baby and cobra together, can it be? Democrat and Republican together, can it be? Someone after the service said, well, you didn't say dog and cat. Well, I don't know if that can be dog owner and cat owner. I don't know. Some of these things go pretty far. The abused and the abuser together. All nations together. In one of my little Google forays this week, I looked up how many countries are at war. And there's a chart based on the number of casualties. So I went down to the number 100. How many countries in our world in 2019 had 100 or more casualties due to armed conflict? 
31. I want to list them so that you can get a sense of the scope of this violence. Here are countries that had at least 100 fatalities. Some of these had over 10,000 fatalities due to inner armed conflict. Afghanistan, Algeria, Cameroon, Chad, Congo, Colombia, Ecuador, India, Iran, Iraq, Israel, Kenya, Libya, Mali, Mexico, Myanmar, Niger, Nigeria, Pakistan, Palestine, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Sudan, South Sudan, Syria, Thailand, Tunisia, Turkey, Venezuela, and Yemen. More than 100 casualties due to armed conflict And you could add the United States to that. This time of year we sing, one of the songs we sang earlier, Peace on Earth. We sing, Come Lord Jesus. Can it be? Isaiah says, yes. Because there's a leader a very special leader with a very special set of gifts. And he has come to bring glorious peace so that they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner of peace for all people. The nations will rally to him And his resting place will be glorious. Can we embrace a leader like that? I hope so, because this is our celebration of Advent. We're looking forward to celebrating his birth, and we're looking forward to the day when he will come again. And on that day, he will set right all that is wrong And we will live from that day forward with nothing but peace. Lord God, we come to you today and I give you thanks for the truth of your word. Thank you for the way that your Holy Spirit hovers around this place to inspire us and challenge us. Thank you for the gift of the word, your spirit, and of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.